0: Hi everyone, it's Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Another postseason edition of SLGND, the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Golden Knights and Sharks heading to Game 6, Easter Sunday. Vegas leading the first-round series three games to two. Knights can clinch a series at home for the first time in franchise history. They couldn't do it in San Jose on Thursday in Game 5, a 5-2 Sharks win. The crew breaks down the game and the series, examining special teams versus five-on-five, the post-whistle extracurriculars, and key moments, including Martin Jones' save of the series. So, what to expect in Game 6? What are the possible lineup tweaks? What are the keys for each team's success? We also look around the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's SLGND Postseason Edition. The Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D-Hotel. And now,
1: here's Dave. Oh, Dan Duva, thanks so much. I love the sound of that. I always say that, it's just wonderful. Dan Duva. So, <laughs> the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. The Sheriff, uh, no Gary today. So, Sheriff Dave Dan. You're going to have to settle for this trio. There's not enough letters in there. But, yeah, so I don't know. We're missing the, we have to redo the hashtag and all that stuff. But uh, nevertheless, from our studios here at City National Arena, downtown Summerlin playoff edition of the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast is. Between games five and six of this series, between the Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks, Golden Knights drop the first game of the series, win the next three, had a chance to close it out in San Jose Thursday night. Unable to do it, and now they'll have a chance a couple of days here to get ready for Game Six on on Sunday. But Shane, we'll start with you. You know, this team had a real good opportunity to try to wrap this up Thursday in San Jose. The Sharks got off to the early start, yeah. right after the Golden Knights had done that for for the last three games of the series, and and you know, the Golden Knights really never kind of you know got to where they needed to be in Game Five.
2: Well, it's kind of funny. I look at Game Four, where you know early the Golden Knights scored early in that game. Then San Jose pressed. I thought San Jose was the better team in the first period, and the Golden Knights came out 2-0 in the lead. I look at game five. I thought San Jose, great start by them, but then I thought the Golden Knights got to their game. They outshot the Sharks 12-6 in the first period, but they come out of it down 2-1. And, uh, you know, there was it wasn't enough of a complete game for me to really say I was okay with the way the Golden Knights played. I, I think they need more guys going. Um I still think that we haven't seen their best 60-minute game in this series. And maybe that's coming in Game 6. You certainly hope so because it's a great opportunity to close it out in a building they've been very good in. So, uh, you know, Game 5 was a strange game to me. Uh, They still were able to uh, you know, they pulled close to within a goal, but uh, then a penalty and a quick power play goal by San Jose by Tomas Hurdle, who who I think has been San Jose's best player in this series. Uh, You know, had a career year, and he's certainly been very good. Uh, but I look, uh, I look at the Golden Knights. They just need more. They need more. Uh, you know, that Stasty line outside of them, the only people to score a five-on-five goal are Cody Eakin, Shea Theodore, and Alex Tuck. Uh, they just need to get it going.
0: You know, guys, the, the two things that strike me that were present in Game 5 that were issues previously, goaltending for the Sharks and the extracurriculars after the whistles. It was and, gone. And those two things were polar opposites. Jones looked like the guy who got the Sharks to the Stanley Cup Final in 2016, and all the post-whistle scrums seemed to vanish. Um, and you heard comments from some of the Sharks players going into the game that this is, we got to play hockey, this is not what we want to do. In particular, Mark Edward Vlasic, who, remember, had been out the last couple of games with an injury, but he returns. Thornton comes back from an injury And there were very few post-whistle scrums. It did not have an impact on the game that it certainly did in some previous contests. And then we talk so often about special teams in the first game of the series. The Sharks' power play goal, 4-on-4 goal, 3-on-3 goal. And when you look at the 5-versus-5 goals going into Game 5, Vegas had 10, Sharks had 4. You're talking about the top of the league and the bottom of the league at 5-on-5 goals. What happened? The Knights had 0 five-on-five goals, did score two power play goals. They lead the league with eight, but zero five-on-five goals. Whereas the Sharks, they scored, if you don't include the empty netter, which is six-on-five, right? But their first three goals, those are all five-on-five goals. They only had four the whole series. And I think that those things are the product of... Jones being a lot better and the lack of the post whistle scrums.
1: You know what's interesting too, and, and as much as Jones was better and he had to be better because he he was you know been pulled in two of the previous three games. There's a part of me that thinks all right, the Golden Knights get it to three two in the third period. Marcius scores on the power play, and then Carlson sets up Riley Smith for a great chance, and Jones makes his best save of the series. Part of me thinks if if Smith scores on that, yeah, then the Golden Knights might go on and win. You know, mm-hmm. because the way that you know you wonder how fragile Jones is right now, but he makes the big save, and then you were saying too, Shane Smith had another great chance where he missed the net, right? Coming right down after the left that, side. right before
2: the penalty to mark.
1: So you know that's how fine a line it can be. Um, but for for Jones, I mean, he had nowhere to go but up from those from the previous three games he played. Goals against average in those three seven five nine. Yeah, in the three Terrible. games leading up to game four, and quite honestly, you know, Mark Andre Fleury was fantastic in game four. Not great in game five, no. And you've got to hope if you're a Golden Knights fan, his his ability usually to bounce back has been pretty strong. You know, if he he doesn't usually string together a series of poor games. Yeah. He usually, he's able to nip it in the bud. And I
0: was quick. a little bit surprised at that, you know, given that he had a shutout in the previous game. But also, and I know it's history; it's hard to apply this. But I was looking through the three closeout games last year. Right, the Knights won all three games when they were in a position to finish a series. You know that Mark Andre Fleury faced ninety-one shots. Saved 90 out of 91 Mm -hmm. in those three closeout games and surrenders the first two goals. Obviously, those were the the turning, you know, for the momentum to put it in the Sharks' hands. And, you know, the third goal, a tip in, you know, you can't go crazy about that one. But the first two, you know, those are not goals that Marc Andre Fleury has been giving up when he's been on his game.
2: Well, the third goal, though, was miscommunication. And that needs to be a cleaner exit. That's where it started for the Golden Knights. Should have been an easy breakout. but you know what? That, that's uh, that's the world of sport, right? If there was no mistakes, uh, we wouldn't see goals. Right. And, and you know, unfortunately, uh, Golden Knights made more mistakes in this game. They had a little. They had the good press in the third, but I just want to see more consistency. I want to see more guys involved because um, you know uh, the Stashney line. They were quiet first time. This, is, this has really been what's carried them. You look yeah. at what uh, Stone, Stastny, and Patch Reddy have been able to do. They've been tremendous. But, uh, you know, is that part of Mark Edward Vlasic being back, the number one shutdown D that the San Jose Sharks have? Well, what kind of impact does he make? Well, let's think back to Nate Schmidt not being in the lineup for the first 20 games. That's what Vlasic does to that lineup. He's their, he's their number one shutdown guy. He balances out the 6D man. He balances out the ice time so everybody's comfortable in their roles. Uh, he made a big impact impact uh, you know he he didn't look like he missed a beat you wonder how healthy he was um, but I thought he allowed he allowed Eric Carlson to be more offensive and skate where Carlson doesn't want to defend um, so he was impactful in the game and and we'll see I think that's the you know the stashing line will be right back I expect a good bounce back in game six I think the Golden Knights they come, they come into this building, the fortress, T-Mobile, whatever you want to call it, is rocking. Uh, you can't help but come out of there just
0: ready to roll. And, and I want to add to that, you know, there's the, the home ice advantage, right? Part of that is the crowd. You know, there's some other logistical advantages, traveling and whatnot. And it was my observation from high up in the press box, the ice conditions were not favorable, especially in contrast to T-Mobile Arena, where it is notoriously good ice, fast ice. And then I you know several players and you know made comment after the game Jonathan Marsh so in particular said that the ice was awful, but he also said yes, it was the same it thing. was the same for
2: for both teams
0: yeah. but but in particular Shane I, I wonder because the the way that the Knights play does it hurt them more when there's bad ice
2: shouldn't. It really shouldn't. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, give them a crutch on this one. I. I think. You know. And it is fair. Yeah. It isn't good. It's not fun to play on it. I liked it. It slowed everybody down to my level.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one way or another, we'll catch uh, you.
2: I love the bad ice. No, it's. It,
1: yeah. There was they a concert. Said, that and we I, had yeah, before, there was. And it was warm. And, all and there's all of always sudden, some. You know. And
2: I think T-Mobile this time here is used a lot. Yes, it's yeah. great ice, notorious. But I think when you get to playoffs, uh, you know the weather and everything. I know. They have the the technology nowadays to keep the ice as good as possible, but uh, you know these aren't planned games. There's a lot of events, and you have to work around them. And sometimes ice conditions in a lot of the buildings in playoffs aren't what they are in the regular season. Uh, so that you can't that can't even play a factor. Both teams are going to be out there. You have to execute your game the best you can, regardless of ice conditions.
1: First time the Golden Knights will have an opportunity on Sunday to close out a series at home. That's got to that's got to carry some weight with the players too. It'd be awesome to see them close out a series in their own building. You know they're nine and three in the playoffs over the last two years at T Mobile. They've been fantastic at home, you know, regular season or playoffs. But to see them be able potentially to close out a series at T Mobile would be would be awesome. By the way, we're not sure what time the game's going to be. So <laughs> we'd like to know because we go to some of the games. <laughs> it all hinges on Colorado, Calgary. So as we sit here, it's Friday late morning. They play yeah. tonight. It all hinges on what happens in that game. But it'll be Sunday to be determined, but a lot of it's going to hinge on what happens right. in that game. There, there, time
0: there are definitely two playoff games on Sunday. There could yes. be three. And that is, uh, you know, for television purposes, why they would have to spread it out. If there are three games, you, you can't have them all at the same time.
2: All right, guys, I got I to ask. As I'm going to say it, uh, I was saying I need more guys on board. Carlson, Marsha so, and Smith. Hmm five on five zero goals you were talking about what what have you seen for like to me I think there's more from that line and I, I don't know I think th- I keep saying they're going to break out I thought that would happen and you know Riley Smith did score Jonathan so did score both power play goals um, hopefully that maybe propels them forward here but I think that's the line you know, you know the stashney stone patch ready they've done a lot in this series but uh, it'd be nice to have that one two punch of their top lines more depth scoring
1: Usually, when they get in trouble, that line it's because they, you know, a lot of times they're too cute, right? Overpass it, turnovers at the offensive blue line. Um, when they're going, they're able to cycle pucks down low. They're able to use their speed. They can see each other. They're able to roll off hits. They maintain four checks. They create four checks. There hasn't been that sustained pressure from them, really, has it? And it's, There's it's been, been very, a lot of too many very spotty,
2: easy breakouts from them. Yeah,
1: like they can't sustain it. And yeah, to your point. San Jose's out of their zone. Yeah, they can't. When they can wear teams down because of their speed and their quickness up front. They haven't really been able to do that. Either. No, I
0: mean you have you know Carlson with the shorthanded goal, Smith with a power play goal, Marciusso now has two power play goals, and you know Marciusso hadn't scored a power play goal since February. Uh, he had five in the regular mm-hmm. season, but four out of the five were back in the previous calendar year. So I suppose there's something to be said for the power play is doing a lot better. And, you know, that had been a struggle. We were trying to break down the numbers uh, after the game last night. Vegas has eight power play goals in five games. Okay, over what period of time had they scored their last eight power play goals? The answer was 23. Twenty-three yeah. games for their previous eight power play goals. Now they've got eight in five, so that's terrific.
2: Well, yeah, keep that rolling. But but the the
0: strength of the team we heard from the beginning, Gerard Gallant. We want to play five on five. We're a better team five on five. We could roll all four lines when we're five on five. And, and <laughs> that's not what happened there in game five. So it's you. It would be hard to imagine for that to continue for more than a game. I and mean, that is such an aberration from the way that the Golden Knights typically succeed. And yes, yeah, so much of it, we talk about the best five-on-five, even-strength line in hockey last year was Martius O'Carlson and Smith. You know, it, it reminded me, you know, a little bit of what their struggles were like earlier in the season, where they just seemed a bit out
2: of sync too, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason.
0: Now, down the stretch... They look much sharper, much more like the line that we saw. last And they did
2: have their chances in the third. We mentioned, yeah, like that's the- right.
0: Yes, yeah. And and uh, you know, it seems to me with Riley Smith. He's had, it, again, like earlier in the season, he was getting lots of chances yeah. and just couldn't bury one. But then it finally opened up, and then he was a point per game yeah. for a, a month and a half and and so on. So, you know, he's got a few assists. He gets that goal. You know, maybe the dam is about to break for those guys. But also you think about, you know, I mean, Riley Smith, first of all, last year's postseason leading scorer. You know, Marsh is still right behind Carlson as well. And sometimes, you know, when you see Will Carlson at his very best, He's just taking over. He has this, you know, the strength and the speed yeah. to assert himself, to be aggressive. And you wonder how much of that comes from confidence. You know, shorthanded, you know, Smith and Carlson are so good that they do assert themselves. It seems that that same killer instinct is not always there at five on five.
2: And I, Okay. Now, I have one last question. I know we have our script. But this is off it. I'm just thinking as we're doing this podcast because we kind of talked about it last night. And you mentioned it, Dan. The scrums have kind of gone. San Jose has gone back to playing a speed game. Does Gerard Gallant change the lineups? Love the fourth line, but it's built for that more aggressive game. Yeah, mm. You know, you got Ryan Carpenter. You know, do you insert a little more of an offensive? Like,. That's, uh, you know, I'm sure it's something they're going to discuss. I don't know whether it happens. You know, we know Gerard Gallant loves to be – he's a very loyal coach, and that's what brings him success. That's what guys love. Yeah. But, you know, you don't change a winner, but they did lose last game. All right. The only
0: change in the lineup has been Nick Holden out oh, yeah. after game one, Colin Miller in. And, you know, Colin has put up a couple of points, and you know he's got better speed than Nick Holden. But in terms of the forwards, it's been the same exact group for five games. Yeah. You know, we wondered who would be on the third line left wing, and there are some guys standing by who would love to be in there. Um, Former uh, Shark Ryan Carpenter, Brandon Peary, who is scoring goals left and right, and then you've also got that new oddball, (laughs) that is Nikita Gusev, (laughs) who has just come over from the KHL, and Shane, you've said it before, the best player in the world, not Not in the NHL, and if you're talking about getting a spark for balanced scoring, you know, Alex Tuck, you know, he he did have he that two goal great chances in game four. Lasting. He just hasn't been able to get that consistent scoring that he had earlier in the season. And that's when he was with more talented players. Mm-hmm. He was with Pacioretty, um and with Stastny. Uh, it seems to me when you put him with a certain caliber of offensive talent, maybe his production goes up. No disrespect to Tomasz Nosik, but he's not the offensive threat. No, that not, that, and that's the,
1: the difference. Do you, you have a different look? And yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I wouldn't mind seeing a tweak, I wouldn't mind seeing Pyrrhian on that left side for Nosik. And Carpenter on that left side for Carrier. yeah, And just give it a little bit of a, 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 and, and frankly, maybe, I thought
0: that that lineup, Dave, I thought that's what the Knights yeah. might go
1: with to start the series, frankly. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I'm with
1: you. And to your point, Shane, especially if, you know, and Gerard Gallant said this to us the other day, the longer the series goes, the less scrums you're going to see anyways. Yeah. There's too much on the line to take a stupid penalty in a scrum, put your team shorthanded. Well, if that's the way it's going to be, do you need both Carrier and Reeves on the fourth line? Probably not. Carpenter can kill penalties for you. Um and although,
2: although although Carey and Reeves scored more goals than Carpenter.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is last night was, it's it's
2: just an interesting discussion. Yeah, Perry could
0: and maybe I'm sure they'll be fine any offense. way they
2: go, but it's it, it's interesting to think. When about.
0: you think about you know the production from low in the lineup and we talked about that the depth scoring in last year's Stanley Cup final, last night was the first time a fourth line player registered a point for either team and that was the tip in goal from Barkley Goodrow. Uh, the fourth line created that goal for the Sharks. Fourth line for the Knights has not created a goal. I know that scoring is only a piece of what you're trying to do, especially with those players. So much more can be generated in terms of momentum or penalty killing from some of those players. But that was the first point recorded by a fourth line player in the series. It's
1: amazing how important, too, Dan, that, that getting the lead has been in this series. The team that's grabbed the lead has never fallen behind later in the game, in every game so far. Right. That's not to say that teams have, you know, Golden Knights... After that great start in Game Two, San Jose came back and tied it. The Golden Knights never fell behind again. Right. So the, the team that's wins. grabbed the lead, first goals won every game. So, you know, the was Golden important to score first. Well, the Golden Knights <laughs> went through a stretch of they scored in the first two minutes in six of seven periods, yeah. average of forty nine seconds into the period. Crazy. Yeah. And granted, a lot of it was in in Game Three where they went bang, bang, bang. But San Jose does it last night. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I just think Sunday. T-Mobile, places is going to be off the charts, the atmosphere. And, and I will say this, and Shane and I kind of talked about this, with each passing game, if you've got a lead like they've had in the series three to one, with each passing game, if you don't close it out, that pressure mounts. Mm-hmm. You know, I was around a Boston Bruins team that had a three game to lead in 2010 and they lost the series and you could just feel it. By the time they got to a game seven, all the pressure was on them because they had a three nothing right. lead. So and at, and at that point in hockey
0: history, it hadn't happened no. in, what, like 35 years, right? right. It happened in the 70s, it right. happened in the 40s, and then and it's, I know it's twice in the last decade. Yeah,
1: and I know it's three games to one is different. I, I get all that, but yeah. I'm just saying, you know, sure, you don't want to... The last thing you want to do is leave it to going back there for yeah. a seventh and, game and on And so, Tuesday.
0: you know, we, we talk about momentum within a game. You know, some folks will say and coaches will say momentum doesn't necessarily carry over so much from game to game, but definitely within a game. And we talk about T-Mobile Arena the home ice advantage. One of the things that has helped the Golden Knights garner momentum from the crowd for themselves, it has been the fourth line. Whenever Ryan Reeves yeah, is on the true. ice and touches the puck, you know, the crowd goes nuts. Carrier lands a hit, the crowd goes nuts. But, you know, you look at game five and just in terms of the numbers and, you know, Gerard Gallant is not going to say... What he thinks of each individual player. he's not going to give them letter grades. But the closest assessment you can get, eight minutes and thirty eight seconds for Will Carrier, seven minutes and twelve seconds for Ryan Reeves. And that's about three minutes below his season average. So those two guys were not used, and there were not a ton of power plays. So there were not a lot of kills. We're talking five on five, they were not, and Knights are chasing the game, obviously. so they're not going to be difference. used. but but still, you know, you think about, those guys are useful if the Golden Knights manage to get an early lead. But if they're chasing yeah. the game, all of a sudden there's not as much time for them to be used. And then you kind of take that card out of your deck and then you might be sacrificing an offensive weapon in your lineup.
1: Well, the power play's been terrific, as we said. They haven't scored a po- they've scored in every game of the series. They didn't score in five straight games all season on yeah. the power play. Yeah. So eight. First power time play in goals. franchise
0: history they've had multiple power play goals From in three, three straight three. games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Eight power play goals, two short goals. Right, so far in the series too. So, all right, so game six coming up sometime on Sunday. Uh, just stay tuned, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a in the world we're in today, you'll be able to find out what yeah. time the game starts. And then, and then if you can go, that'd be great too. Sure, or watch or listen, whatever you choose. We'll to be do. there. We'll be there. Evidently, we'll sneak in again. So, the Sheriff Lawless, <laughs> some guy named Dave. Podcast coming to you from our studios in downtown Summerlin. Brought to you by Finley Automotive, the great people at Finley Jaguar, Acura, Lincoln, and Chevy. Guys, let's take a look a little bit around. The Stanley Cup playoffs. So everyone had Tampa Bay getting swept. Everyone predicted that. <laughs> no. In the fr- it's unbelievable. You know, we said it like it I can't think of a bigger upset in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, there have been upsets, but not for a team that won sixty-two games, tied the league record, and never won a playoff game. No, it's it's beyond comprehension that outside of and they scored, they, they're up three nothing. They never recovered from blowing that three nothing lead in game one. Crazy, it, but you know to the blue jackets credit and we we all saw it wasn't John even a Tort- series. No. Columbus dominated yeah. after that. John Tortorella's speech yep. to his team in Tampa uh for the first game and they come out and they fall behind 3-0 and then they were they were just unfazed. They score shorthanded to tie the game yeah. on a 4-minute power play for Tampa and then they get their own power play and win game 1 and Coach and that Ross was all she wrote. unavailable. Yep. You know like you use the word unbelievable, Dave, and I, sometimes I'm wary of using that word, but I'm with you.
2: Unbelievable.
1: (laughs) It's scary, and John Cooper said this after the sweep. They had their game all year, and they lost it for a week in April, and it was all over. That's scary. You can be as good and dominant as they were. Like, if you're sitting there right now, if you're a Lightning fan or in their management team or a player, you just— I've got to still believe you're shaking your head. Saying, how in the world did this happen?
2: You talked about pressure mounting game to game. So here you, you have a historic regular season. You win 62 games. Do you know the amount of pressure on you to win? I always said this, and I've been in in both on teams where I've been, you know, you've been the top seed playing a bottom seed, and I've been the the lower seed playing the top. It's a lot easier, the the Mm -hmm. pressure being that lower seed. So not only was there pressure being top seed, to be the president's not only the president's trophy win, the historic tying a record, 62 wins, 128 points. That carries a lot of weight going into the playoffs that the expectations are automatic that you should be in the final. So sometimes teams maybe start looking too far ahead or whatever, and then as soon as – it is hard. When there was a downfall, like you said, that comeback, I think after game one, destroyed them Mm. because they just could not deal the expectations and then just mounted and mounted that they were the team destined this year. Like, people had them written in everywhere. It hasn't happened like that. I don't think we've seen an overwhelming favorite like this in years. And now it's wide open. And now it's done, and they they collapsed – uh, it happens. That's the the world of sport we talked about, not only being physical. Mental is one of the biggest, biggest attributes you have to have, and they did not have it. And so how real is Columbus? Very. First ever playoff series
0: win. Last year, you know, gave the Capitals a scare. Here they are. They've now, you know, David beats Goliath. How real are they?
2: Well, this look at the, the moves they made. They were criticized. I thought it was the right move by Yarmo Kekulainen to... To go all in. I love it. He's sitting at the poker table with a bluff, and he went all in. And they couldn't come together. They looked disaster at the end of the regular season. They almost didn't make the playoffs. But they crawled in, (laughs) and to their credit... They clicked at the right time. Sergei Bobrovsky all of a sudden looks like a Vesna goalie again, which he's been. Uh, Matt Duchesne's a factor. Panarin and Duchesne, you got two skilled guys there. Dezingle brings speed. You've got, they've got guys that can score everywhere. Cam Atkinson had a great year. Dubois, they've got all these young players. Uh, they, what's the text era?
1: Yes. A, kid, yeah. kid hadn't
2: played. 19-year-old. Yeah. They bring him in. He's impactful. Uh, you know, Oliver Borkstrand, Seth Jones, Zach Wren. They've got a good team. You go up and down. You look Leadership at their Nick team. Felino, it is right? deep. Nick Foligno, Uh Didn't mention Josh Anderson and Boone Jenner. That line that when line. they played in Vegas, dominant, big, physical, can score. They're the real deal. I, I right now, and I wonder what this layoff after watching them play, I think they're the best team in the East. This could be wow, nine.
1: wow, better be... than Boston,
0: better than Toronto, yeah. better than Washington. It could be nine days, maybe ten days between games for them.
2: That's the only thing that might hurt them. Be, but I uh, think
0: Toronto, Boston beat yeah. each other. Right. How long does that go? Full seven, you know? <laughs> oh
1: boy. <laughs> hey, staying in the East. What about the bunch of jerks in Carolina uh. <laughs> that dropped the first two games in Washington, um, one of those in overtime, and they come back home, tie the series. No problem. Uh, that's pretty impressive, you know. So before they made the playoffs this year, they had the longest drought. They hadn't made it in yeah. a decade. Um, bad hit by Fogel on Oshi last now, night. Oshi like looks like he's gone long term. Did not like that hit. Uh, not at all. Um, but it's turned into a heck of a series now. So you get the defending champs with Carolina tied after four games.
2: It's... There's two teams over there that remind me of last year's Vegas Golden Knights. It's the New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. Who's their stars? Well, you know, Sebastian all had a good year, Jordan is playing good, Matt Barzell, but it is by committee. It is yeah. by a relentless, unfazed group of players that are committed to one another playing the team game. That uh, Both those teams remind me exactly of what Vegas did last year. So, playing really well, they're, they're you know, they've got uh, a veteran guy in Justin Williams in Carolina that I think really helps them. I think uh, they've got a bunch of young players. They've got speed. I've always liked Carolina's D. They've got a good young D core. Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Justin Falk, uh, Brett Pesci. They, some good players. Calvin DeHaan, uh, you know, and then Van, Trevor Van Riems-like. Like That's a solid six. Um, so, And then Peter Mrazek may be the biggest surprise for me there, just like Robin Lehner, Thomas Grice in the island. Uh, good goaltending, which is imperative in playoffs
0: you wonder the personality of the hurricanes you know how much that has allowed that group to thrive together i mean you know coaching change their you know ownership change but their personality has come out in a way that you know you mentioned the, the bunch of jerks right the the surge celebration after the game something
2: the rally around remember there was a golden misfits thing to rally around
0: Right. That's kind of my point. You know, and I think that the analogy to say the resemblance to the Golden Knights is is right on, Shane,
2: because there's something a little bit different. Just like the Islanders. John Tavares is gone, they're gonna suck. Barry Troz came in and said, No, we're gonna play for one another. Sweep Pittsburgh. (laughs) Sweep sweep the Penguins. It's unbelievable.
0: So yeah. yeah. After some long playoff runs with with Pittsburgh, yeah. you know it, it, and it and this happened to uh, to Tampa a few years ago where they had those long runs, and then one year they just missed the playoffs. Uh, you know, it, it you, you, sometimes you think you can flip the switch eighty two games is a marathon. I mean, I've never done it, Shane, but no. to get through that marathon to you know, then think that you can just turn into playoff mode but run into a terrific
1: defensive oriented team like the Islanders. And, and Penguins just didn't have an answer. So in the West, the top two teams in the conference, as we sit here right now, are on the ropes. Calgary's down three games to one to Colorado, and San Jose obviously is down three games to two So yeah. the Golden Knights. That Avalanche-Flames series, so they play tonight, Friday night, Game 5, back in Calgary. The Flames have to win the Stay Alive. Colorado's been really, really good in this series. You know, and, and the most recent game, as we sit here, they're down 2 nothing at home, about nine minutes left in the third period. They come back, tie the game, win it in overtime. Miko Ranton and ties it and wins it. You know, they've looked fast. There's been stretches where physical fast physical, and they've there's been stretches. They've been no question the better team. Obviously to build a three one lead, but you get a Calgary team that won the West in the regular year, not handily, but kind of, you know, they yeah. were the best team for most of the season. And now here they are on the brink of elimination.
2: Well, and you look at what Colorado did down the stretch. I'm gonna go back to goaltending, Philip Grubauer. Look at that last game. Do they win it without that oh, save with the left, left pad line, on uh, Backlund? Back yeah. Like wow, I it's it, it is. It's uh, there's such a fine line of winning and losing. And, and Colorado, boy, they, you know their top line. And then this new kid, this Kale McCarr, a defenseman, just looks like he's been in the league for ten well, years. The confidence he plays the with, the fans
0: are bringing heads of kale. <laughs> yeah, to start it's, a
2: it's just it's <laughs> been great. So you know what? Every series, and then you go, you go to the Central Division. Yep. Dallas hammers Nashville. That series tied up, yep. and St. Louis shocks Winnipeg. Yeah, uh, but seconds. that said, I said this I, at the end of the year: St. Louis and Dallas were playing the best in the Central down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Dallas could be up three games to one. The Bishop gave up two bad goals in Game Three. Then they, you know, so they lose Game Three to Nashville. Then they blow them out in Game Four. Stars blow them out to even the series. And Winnipeg St. Louis, the road teams won every game, right? All five games. The game in game five in Winnipeg, same thing, Shane. Winnipeg's up 2-0. Third period, St. Louis comes back, and Schwartz tips one in about 15, 15 seconds. 15 left. seconds left, about, I don't know, shin high? Tips it in, wins the game. Like it's it's been incredible to kind of watch that series. But I remember on one of our podcasts, maybe last month, guys, I said, Do you who's is St. Louis the best team in the West? Or in the Central? I don't know if it was West. I think it was Central. Because the Golden Knights had just gone to St. Yep. Louis and the Blues had beaten them. Well, here they are to their credit. I mean, Winnipeg's and the Golden Knights, I know, won two playoff games in the conference final there last year. That's not an easy building, right? The whiteout, the
2: whole... Thing. Whiteout's not working.
1: They, <laughs> they might want to change up They've their team. They've lost five straight. Right, going back wow, to last yeah, year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I, you know... Yeah.
0: It's so hard to to figure this out, right? You know, you mentioned that the two teams in the west, the Sharks and the Flames and obviously the number 1 team in the east in Tampa. Those are the top 3 scoring teams in the NHL. Now Tampa had 30 goals more yeah. than San Jose or Calgary, but those are the two teams tied for second in scoring. And you look at some of those defensive oriented teams, what is allowing the Islanders to beat yeah. the Penguins. What is allowing St. Louis, you know, with Bennington, you know, Dallas Stars, same thing, with the exception of those two right. bad goals from Ben Bishop, that has been their success. You know, maybe you know the the Colorado Avalanche. They've been a top-heavy team, but now that they've brought in a Hobie Baker Award defenseman, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Shane. Just just crossing my mind. Uh,
2: there it is. But but this goes back to every year we get to this point, and and regardless of how much we say it, we still reference it. We say, regular season is over. It is a new season. Wipe the stats away from what happened. Let's not talk about 128 points or the 30-goal differential or this. And it's been no more truer than this year. Forget what happened in the 82 games. That just got these people, the teams to this position, and all those stats are absolutely gone because it has been a new season, and what happened in the 82 regular season really hasn't mattered. Even though the Golden Knights, their power play. If you look yeah, at this, it's good. like there's so many things you can reference that it has been a completely a new season, and all those 82 game statistics that you look at have really not had a, a factor whatsoever on what's happened here in playoffs.
1: Well, we're going to still try to figure it out based on those numbers. <laughs> that's what we do. I know. Well, and I will tell you though. You know, and that being said, the big question about San Jose coming into the series was: Are they going to be able to get any goaltending and be able to, to defend for games two, three, and four? The answer was no. Right? They'd
2: given well, up. in game one, the Golden Knights really didn't try. They only had 10 shots right. in 40 but, minutes. So. Yeah,
1: but they had given up more goals than any team that made the playoffs. Second-highest-scoring team in the league, but you know, then Jones comes up with some timely saves in game five. I'll say this
2: again. Uh, you, San Jose, that looked like their best game. Yeah. But I don't believe San Jose's seen Vegas' best game yet. And I think if the Golden Knights play their game, they will win regardless of how good San Jose. I, I still believe they can, they're can. they the better team if both teams execute the way they should.
1: Well, the Golden Knights have a chance to close it out on Sunday, Game 6 at T-Mobile Arena. We're going to get to our mailbag here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. So, a couple of podcasts ago, we gave away... A Mark Andre Fleury signed jersey. You had to go on rate review subscribe on iTunes. Write a, uh, a review. We hoped it was a good one, and it turned out it was from Zach Attack seventy four. But the problem was we couldn't find Zach. He wrote a very nice review, so we we created an email. Okay, he sent us his email, and we he got his jersey. He sent us a tweet. He sent us. He was so appreciative of it. So Zach Attack seventy four. We're glad you're enjoying. Your jersey's not the photo great. of it, the yeah, whole nine yards. That's, that's awesome. That's
2: awesome. So I'm glad
1: you're enjoying the podcast too. Yeah, well,
2: and that's why I continue to rate and review. That's right. We yeah. don't have anything to give away today. We might. We never know. We Maybe do. we can get Dave to sign <laughs> Dave and Dan to sign the game sheets. Yeah, and we'll there we go. Away or something you, like that. An eight uh, by ten glossy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to. We got to get some SLGND go- guys. Yes. Right. We, we, we have, have to get some Yes, we have. This has been
1: mentioned before. The the logo is very. We need a logo.
2: Cool. We need someone to design a logo. Maybe we have a contest. Contest. I thought we had a logo. Get the fans involved for the best logo. Don't I
1: see a logo for our podcast there's, on some of the social a, situations? There's a, there's a hashtag. I'm the least artistic person. Yeah, I is. still draw stick people. <laughs> I don't want to draw anything. <laughs> I, but I, don't we have, a, when we, we were doing this, our, our great friends of the D were hosting us. Sure? We yeah. did it on stage last yeah. year. We had a big yeah, logo. Yeah, no, we, we
2: do. It's it's well, you think I mean, we should, an official one. We, we need to get like, an official one we can throw on a hat. It's more a, of a, a name t-shirt. plate than a logo. Maybe we should get, get, right, get some work on this. We should go in and put them on muscle shirts.
1: Change figures training regimen these days. How many of the four hosts will look good in the muscles, twenty five percent. So anyway, in addition to working on a new logo, uh, congratulations to Zach Attack seventy four. So what do we have here uh, from the people this time around, Dan? Okay, let's start with uh,
0: a question about the rivalry, and this is from Vanessa Peterson, who asks. The Vegas Golden Knights beat both the Kings and the Sharks last year in the playoffs and even swept the Kings. Why is it that the Vegas Golden Knights and the Sharks have the bitter rivalry and not the Vegas Golden Knights and the
2: Kings? Shane, what say you? Well, they really didn't get a chance. Last year, it really fueled, right? Both were playoff teams. That's where it's got to start. You have to be good teams. This year, Alley wasn't good. And last year, the series, it, it was a good, hard series, but it was four games. It was quick. San Jose series last year to me is when it took off. It went six games, and then it fueled into this year being two of the better teams in the Pacific. Alley was out of the conversation, so this built in the regular season, two teams competing, got really good near the end of the year because they didn't meet for a long time, and they did, and they knew there was a chance they'd play each other, so they kind of they wanted to, to send the message to each other. And then an, another playoff. Rivalries are bred in playoffs. That, that's where it happens, and uh, now being their second series, uh, I think that's it's really built this to to where it's going to continue for years, and it'll be the number one until another one comes along that happens in the postseason. You think about Game Six of this series; it will be the twelfth playoff contest
0: between yeah. the Knights and Sharks. They have played only eight regular season contests, right. so you know right. that that just weighted mentally. I wonder how much also, guys, is the is it the cause or the effect for the war of words? You know, last year, Drew daddy with the Kings, the comments around Christmas yeah. time, the Kings are going to... And then the Knights, of course, speak good with point. their play. And this year, the War of Words has been with Evander Kane and Ryan Reeves and the Back and Forth, the Babysitter, the Muffin Man and everything else. I mean, we've got the a WWE man. thing brewing here. <laughs> I mean, all of that is, is... It is interesting to fans on either side and inflames the passions to a certain degree and it spills over onto the ice. Again, I wonder how much, you know, do the words cause that or does... The word uh, does the verbal battle come from what? I happens think the, on the, the ice? words
2: certainly get the fan bases. Yeah, I really uh, believe that because there's tons of words on the ice between every <laughs> team. Uh, certainly, there's a dislike between Kane and Reeves, and that'll never go away. I think yeah. that was there before they were on the teams they were on, uh, but I, I believe that th- those words certainly, like Drew Doughty, a lot hated by Golden Knights fans, and the you know the logistics of LA and Vegas, but now. San Jose and Vegas because of last year and now certainly because of what's happened this year In the words, the fan bases do not like each other.
0: And I think that, you know, unfortunately sometimes it, it spills over where it's not just a friendly rivalry for fans. It, it gets a little bit more heated, which leads to this question from... Uh, Logan, the girl with the hat, who asked, I was really disappointed to see how our fans were treated in the Sharks SAP Center Arena last night. I know a lot of people say that's how it is in every arena, but I've never seen anything that bad at T-Mobile Arena. What do you guys think about this situation?
1: Yeah, there's been a couple of videos posted, right? Yeah, that's like, unfortunate, it, not right? Good. You don't want to see that. That's not good. No. You know, it's not what you're looking for. You know, and, and I, Golden Knights fans have been fantastic, and I, I, we've never heard anything. I've in,
2: heard the opposite. and that they go,
1: They're yeah. incredibly polite, incredibly welcoming. You know, we see a lot of other... Teams, fans, come here for obvious reasons. We've never really heard anything about no. similar to reports. No, I and assume, I think that
0: for, for me, after our uh, home games, uh, you know, we have the, the radio post game show is in the park outside T-Mobile Arena, right by Beer House, and so many fans are there, a lot of Golden Knights fans, but a lot of visiting fans as well, and I can't think of any negative interactions in fact it's usually very positive it's more thanks for welcoming yeah. you guys do a great job here thanks for coming come back soon it's it's you know a very rare exception to that kind of um, interaction But I'm sure that there has been a negative interaction, just as I'm sure in San Jose, the large majority of the people in San Jose are very accommodating and very friendly. But when an incident or two is captured on social media or on video as it is now, that gets our attention. And, And so we talk about it. Of course, the fans are talking about it. But I think, at least from my standpoint, having gone to San Jose, we just talked about how many times the Golden Knights have played the Sharks. The number of interactions I've had with folks in San Jose, observing fans interact, it has been almost universally positive there, and it's unfortunate that just a couple of incidents have, you know, kind of tarnished that.
2: And I, that goes along with the uh, the Golden Knights fans. They're the best in the league for a reason, not only for how loud and how passionate they are, but I think for how accommodating they are. This is a building in which you get a lot of visiting fans, and uh, they're the best in the league for a lot of reasons. They they have they have the fun rivalry with the teams. They enjoy them coming in and I think they handled it the right way here at, uh, in Vegas. So uh, uh, t- tip my hat to the Vegas fans. They continue to be first class.
0: All right, let's get back to a hockey question, and this comes from Cake Q. I like that name. At Cake Q... Asks uh, how does the Carlson line get going? Carlson marches so instead. It's a good question. Score some goals. Yes, <laughs>
1: Sunday would be a great time.
0: Uh, the question continues. Good Corsi stats not translating into points, and they seem to be just a little off with timing.
1: Well, it's interesting when you think about that. That they're in a really good spot in this series, without them being a factor, right? And you wonder, okay, if if you can click for them on Sunday. And the Stastny line can kind of get back to fo- the form they've had earlier in the series. You've got to like the Golden Knights' chances. But, you know, we kind of get into it a little bit earlier. You know, they haven't been able to sustain. When they have a sustained pressure in the offensive zone, that, you know, that's when they're at their best. They, you know, you, this, you talked about this, Shane. The top two lines for the Golden Knights are built completely different, right? One's quickness and yeah. one's on hockey sense and, and smarts, really. Yeah, um, But... They've got to find a way to get that line to be a difference maker. Right now they've combined for four goals,
0: all are special teams goals. Right. Marcio So two power play goals, Smith a power play goal, Carlson a shorthanded goal. Last year in 20 playoff games they combined for 20. Marcio so O had 8, Carlson had 7, Smith had 5. And most
2: of them were at even strength. 18 were at even strength. I mean, and a lot happened. of them against San 18 eight. of the 20, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of them against the Sharks. So right. uh, it's not that they're not trying. These guys want it. They want to be those guys. And, and I expect, uh, i say it again, i am got to be right one of these times out of prediction. <laughs> game six is going to be the night of the Carlson line. Let's, uh, I think uh, they're going to be ready to roll. I think those top two lines, I think everybody's going to step up. This is going to be a big game. How do you not get excited if you're a Golden Knights player? Like, chance to close out on home ice, that building, that energy, everything. It's too bad we have to wait two days. But that's not a bad thing when you lose. Don't let that team yeah. carry that momentum right away.
0: And I think that's an interesting question. I don't think we've really addressed the impact of having two days between games. You know, last year, you know, with the exception of the Stanley Cup final, there is one day, right? And here we are just the the quirk of the schedule. You've got two days. Shane, Dave, does it affect one team more than another to have these two days? I don't think so. I no, I mean,
1: there's a school of thought because San Jose's got Vlasic just coming off injury. Eric Carlson's obviously not 100%. Do they benefit from an extra day between?
0: Who could benefit for the Golden Knights? Maybe, well.
1: We don't know. There could knows? be guys that need an yeah. extra day there, too. So Somebody like Cody Eakin, right? Yep. Got banged up earlier in the series. Nothing but time will help him, obviously. But you know, you know better than anybody at this table, Shane, at this time of year, everybody is playing with something. So to get an extra day, I think would be probably benefit both teams. Mm. Uh,
0: I think, guys, if if there's uh, anything else you want to address, I've got one question that is uh,
1: is is actually just for me.
0: Oh, good. That, oh, let, oh, let's hear let's, this. Uh, let's finish with that. It's going to
1: be a Fordham, Syracuse, or Cape Cod League reference. That's
0: here. go that, ahead. That's you, you got it right, Dave.
1: Okay, all three. Here's
0: here's a question from uh, Keith Miller who asked: My parents recently moved to Syracuse from <laughs> Long Island. My mom is a pastry lover. And has been living <laughs> off of Drake's Devil Dogs. What's a Dan Duva approved bakery that I can send her to over in? That's a great question, Syracuse, Drake's Devil oh,
1: Dogs. There, it's oh, all you, Dan. That's right. Well, I will. I will tell no, you this. He'll have a whole list of them for you. Get <laughs> I, out your I pen. Do. So, so, this is
2: a whole other podcast. <laughs> 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 That's
0: right. And I'll tell you this: there are some excellent, excellent bakeries, pastry shops in Syracuse, New York. But I will tell you about Nino's because. My first year with the Crunch. This was, you know, I was there in Syracuse as a student, great times there. Then coming back a few years later as a working professional, uh, broadcasting for the minor league hockey team there. And um, I had delivered to the Syracuse Crunch office, it was a surprise, they had arranged this, uh, a platter of pastries from Nino's Bakery in the Little Italy section of Syracuse up Salinas Street. So, there you go. That's the one. Nino's is the winner. <laughs> Nino's. There
1: you go. Oh, and Nino great.
0: himself, by the way, delivered the pastries. Oh, perfect. Yes. Love Excellent big cannoli. Big They've got deal. this huge cannoli no on display for, for weddings. No, come no, on. Nino, Nino come this on. is
1: Dan. Could you give her a plate of pastries to yeah, the so office?
0: For, for the uh, .03% of the, our listeners who will ever be in Zurich yeah, right. to try out pastries. For those maybe. of you
1: no. that don't know, Dan loves the pastries. He brings a little collection to the press box every game. I
0: now have people tweet asking what my pastry is going to be. And if the pastry uh, and the, the results is not good, that I'm fortunate. To change the page to no, I don't. We
2: have something of the we have, have so Somebody tweeted they'd love Dave to serenade again <laughs> on the broadcast because I think
0: when he sung, well, I sung, I can run the sung, of I side of the side of
2: I side of the
0: side of the side When I side sing. the side of the side I the side of the side of the side of for the sheriff because enough question that the side of the side the outside of all the sugar. Here's the question though the to of teeth that Shane Knighty lost on the side of the side of the of the work, of the side of the of the of the of the of the lost I the
2: two. Uh, early on, I've lost I think uh, four altogether, but yeah, my top two. I think the majority of guys lose their top two teeth. Stick, punch, puck. Uh, I took a stick and it pushed both teeth right back into the roof of my mouth. So they bro- like didn't break time. off clean. So it was where they had to go, and uh, the one they had to chisel out, uh, like a hammer and chisel chis- situation. Basically, it was wow. chisel, and then I had to get a whole. Uh, then I had a post put in there, and then that didn't take. And Then I had to get a whole bone graft and everything done. I waited till I was done to get all that, and then.
1: Nobody uh, had it worse last year than James Neal. No. Oh. And again this year. Had, had them all done, right. got hit. And again, got again a, this a, year. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> like at some point, you can say enough already. You know, I mean, it's, that's just a uh, very unfortunate punishment. Let's that's, wrap it with this. The okay. The Golden Knights, of course, are getting
0: set for game six of the first round series. But don't forget about those Chicago Wolves in the American League starting the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, they have uh, a series against the Grand Rapids Griffins team that won the Calder Cup a couple years ago. They're the affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings, and the Detroit Red Wings have themselves a new general manager, it sounds like. That's right. Steve Iserman, who had been with the Tampa Bay Lightning, is no shock. heading back home. Yeah, I think yeah. we saw this coming
2: when he left the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, Ken
1: Holland's going to stay, right? Yeah. As an yeah. executive VP mm-hmm. or senior VP. So exactly right. There was talk he might uh, be in the running to go to Seattle as an expansion franchise, but uh, that's not going to be. He's staying so, in Detroit.
0: The playoff series starts with Chicago hosting... Against Grand Rapids. So you got the Golden Knights affiliate hosting the uh, Red Wings affiliate. And in the first round of the American League, it's best of five. So keep an eye on that. Last year, the Wolves got swept in three games in the first round. Obviously, they've had a terrific season, division champs. So uh, thinking about the Chicago Wolves here to wrap things up on our podcast.
1: Yeah, today. well, that is the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Day podcast. Hashtag SLGND Playoff Edition coming to you from our studios. In downtown Summerlin, the Golden Knights, a chance to close out this series coming up on Sunday. As we said, just kind of stay tuned as to what time uh, the game will start. A lot of it will hinge on, all of it will hinge on what happens between Colorado and Calgary tonight. But an opportunity to wrap this up on home ice for the Golden Knights on Sunday. We'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.